Hello and welcome to the Investors Chronicle Companies and Market Show. I am John Human, editor of the Investors Chronicle, joined today by Algie Hall. How are you doing, Algie? Hi, John. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, I know. I've dragged you in at the last minute because <laughs> uh, because uh, our friend Mr. Oakley has refused to come to London today. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's actually very busy writing. It's been a hideous production schedule this week. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Phil is busy producing stuff for the next issue, which we are yeah. all busy producing. I know you're doing the tips of the and, year. Yeah, I'm editing next the tips year. of the year. Yeah. Going well, is it? Well, the editing is. Uh, <laughs> it always takes quite a long time to kind of get everything lined up for the tips of the year in terms of talking through ideas and everything. But um, yeah, we've 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 got our list and um, the pieces are being they've been researched. They they have mainly been written. Good. Yeah, hopefully we'll have some you know exciting tips for next year. We certainly did this year. Yeah, let's hope they're as exciting as the 2019 well, tips so. of the year. Let's which, hope so. Which is, we, what, which is what we're going to talk about today. We we should also, I think, probably at the outset, give a hat tip to um, our absent friend, yes, Mr. Oakley, who uh, was a considerable help with the whole process last year. Yeah, because we we struggle. Every, so in the past, we've, we've tried to sort of have these uh, sort of thematic tips. We've gone down various yeah. different routes, value, growth, contrarian, recovery, takeover, international. And it's kind of sort of what we decided was it, it sort of corralled us into a box that really made it hard to, to do anything particularly yeah. spectacular. Yeah. So, we, so if it was a get rid of that. We, yeah, we liberate, yeah, liberate it all. <laughs> Let good ideas reign. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Which is what investing should actually be about, rather than yes, sort of yeah, box yeah. ticking. Yeah. So, yeah, the tips of the year 2019. Let's talk about them. First of all, how have they done? So they, they've done really very well. They um, have a 37% total return. That's pretty good. Which is, yeah, pretty hefty. Um, it compares to a return from the FTSE All Share of 19% which is um, it's probably the right index to judge them against because they're mainly, we don't do too many small caps in the, mm. of the year normally. And we've got, uh, we've only had one real disappointment, which was BT, which was um, always a bit contrarian. And we took it to a hold about mid-year. We didn't take it to a sell. We, we, the way the tips of the year kind of um, review works is that we, if we've moved anything to a sell, we judge the tip as being closed out. Whereas if we've just said hold, then clearly the message is to stick with it. Yeah. Um, so BT, it means, I've got, I've got... It means we're less keen, especially... Um, so yes, yes, sorry. I, no, I've got your intro in front of me now, and, and, and we did make it very clear that, and I quote you, it's definitely contrarian and also a recovery play. Yes, yeah. And the recovery didn't... It didn't really <laughs> didn't really materialise. It didn't really the, the thing, The interesting thing with BT um, at the outset of last year was that it... Was getting this new boss. Um, he, he, you know, he's he's got a reputation, and you know, th- there's you know a lot that still could be done, um, and is being done at BT. But um, he's overseen recoveries before and big restructurings, and um, I mean, you know, partly we we're hoping the dividend would be cut, in which sounds you know sl- counterintuitive. Sl- counterintuitive. But I mean, we've seen um, this year Vodafone bit the bullet and cut their dividend, and it did hurt the share price temporarily. But actually, um, you know, it's, it's done wonders for it over the last, you know, on, on a kind of couple of month view. But these businesses, there's a lot of capital being eaten up. And they, you know, they actually, they need the money. They need- we, we picked the wrong battered telco, basically. Well, yes. No, you could, well, although Vodafone hasn't, I mean, it's, it's done well since it cut the dividend, but... Um, the run up to that dividend cut wasn't so pretty. No, that's I don't know true. where it is over a one year basis. That's true. I mean, BT's 
position can't have been helped by some of the sort of political speculation that it sort of suffered towards the uh, yeah. towards the end of the year. Although obviously the election <clears throat> happened, there is no no longer going to be free broadband for all. No, um, no. so it must um, have recovered towards the end of the end of the year. Yeah, it had a like little lots bounce. Of did. It had a little bounce, but I mean, but also, I mean, the the interesting thing is, I suppose, OpenReach, the fibre business it is going to have to invest a lot of money because the pressure's on to put fibre in the ground. I mean, one, one of those, the interesting things about the, the suggestion that you nationalise um, fibre is that fibre's um, a, a technology which kind of may not have, you know, that long as, a, you know, the best way to deliver um, internet access. It well, certainly BT doesn't, internet access, it doesn't have... It doesn't have fibre to the home. No, but it's having, in, in to many invest areas. In it. it's having to invest in it now and it's got competition which is going to mean that, you know, where, where the returns are potentially best, it's going, to, it's going to be competing against other people who want a piece of that. So, okay, um, so that was our dud. That was our dud, yeah. And then I think there was one other that didn't quite match the performance of the market, yeah, which was Britvic. Britvic didn't, it's 16% total return. Um, and uh, yeah, it didn't quite, but it, I mean, it, it, it had a good year, but perhaps it wasn't as good as... Um, one may have hoped it's, it had spent a lot of time investing in its um, its kind of UK operations prior to um, prior to 2019, and so the hope was that it would you know really um, benefit from that, and it did benefit to, from it to an extent. But um, Britvic has been dogged by one one offs, kind of year after year after year, and this year um, the the main one outside its control was um, that the summer wasn't as good as um, the summer 2018 but um, um you know it's, it, weather does mean you know some something for soft drinks drink companies people buy more when it's hot uh but then also the other thing was it um it restructured quite a few of its operations um and sold off some of its assets in france which meant write downs and um exceptional costs to do with the restructuring so um it wasn't you know it was, it was, a, it was a decent year there now i mean obviously 16 percent. you know you don't want to turn your nose up at that Anything and then it kind of it kind of got on with you know the the core of its business performed well I think it's fair to say mm. does seem a bit of a perennial story though there with Britvic because looking back at your review at the beginning of the year mm-hmm. one offs for the, one offs for something we talked about then yeah no no quite it just seems to never quite manage to get through the year without something happening which is something that Phil has talked about you know when one offs become regular yeah then... although, although I mean the, the interesting thing with Britvic is that. They kind of they are they are one offs. They're kind of things which are outside its control. I mean, the restructuring isn't, but the 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 summer weather is, and um, the carbon dioxide shortage, which oh, yeah. it was, and and the new leg- legislation soft drinks. I mean that that didn't actually, I, I don't think, disrupt sales too badly. That you know that that's the kind of um, a, a one off event. And it, it was in bad shape a number of years ago. So I mean, this is a business that's had to be. Rebuilt essentially. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they've they've kind of they've 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 improved things operationally, and um, but I mean, also they've I mean they've got they've got really good brands. It's, um, you know, at its core, some of them, uh, you know, the strongest brands are probably ones which they license off other people. But yeah, but Pe- you know, Pepsi, Pepsi, yeah, Pepsi and Tango. Yeah, yeah. I think it is Fanta. One of, the, one of those. No, it's Tango. <laughs> Tango. Um, okay, that's enough of the bad stuff. <laughs> Let's talk, and that's not even that bad. It's Let's talk about bad. the good stuff. So, what, well, what was the standout performer? Well, London Stock Exchange, I suppose, is what we're <laughs> we're talking, which was an eighty-two percent total return. And um, it, I mean, it, it traded very well, but um, uh, the more significant stuff was probably all the corporate activity mm. that happened. So, it is currently trying to get a bid through for Refinitiv, 
which is um, a kind of a rival to the Bloomberg terminal. And um, people are very excited about the potential to tie up all the data that um, the London Stock Exchange has with the uh, Refinitiv terminals and um, the, the huge amount of value that that could, that could create. Mm. So, um, but it, I mean, it's got to get through the regulator. It won't complete till the second half of um, 2020 if it gets the go-ahead. But then also we had a bid for the London Stock Exchange conditional on it dropping its bid for Refinitiv from um, the Hong Kong Exchange. And um, and that put a 22% premium, I think, on the shares at the time. And the, share, the shares never moved towards the, too far towards the bid price. Because no one thought happen. it was going to happen. Yeah, no one thought it was going to happen and it didn't. It lasted. It was on the table for a month and then withdrawn. But, yeah. I mean, this is not the first time someone has targeted the LSE. You mentioned no. it in your intro here. It's a perennial takeover target. Um, it's a great business. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a really, really excellent business. And it's also it's sort of emerged over recent years as being a far better business than anyone's thought just um, because of the value of the data they've, um, they've got. Yeah, and it's, it's the indexing side of things that they've really built up. And I th- mm. my view would be that's where the, the real value lies in the London Stock Exchange. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. They, they, and, and the clearing business is doing very well. Clearing business, well. of course. Okay, so uh, so yeah, did anything get close to the London Stock Exchange in terms of performance? So, well, the Forterra, the brick company, that was that was the next one. That this this company basically, it, first two months of the year, it exploded. Very cyclical, very operationally geared. Everyone was so downcast. Um, in uh, at, at the end of 2018, if you remember, it's uh, it, you know there there was. Um, Everything was going to be awful. Well, I and think there was. There were worries. There were worries about the house builders. That, yeah, there were worries about, about the house builders. builders. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I mean, also, you know, uh, for for Tara, I, I think I think the worries about the house builders weren't as salient uh, or didn't seem as salient to for because people were worried about the profitability of the house builders, whereas not necessarily the amount of houses which were going to be built, especially since. Um, there's a lot of um, you know potential for social housing and uh, et cetera to you know to be put up and uh, things like um, build uh, build to rent and yeah. stuff like that. I mean, Phil and I have spoken about house builders a lot on this podcast. We've spoken about brick makers too, and and they're different things. Yeah, and they're, I mean, they're sort of they're sort of judged in the same <clears throat> breath. Brick makers are hugely operationally geared, which is you know which which is a factor. So um, you know it doesn't take much to change um, profits a lot. But they also have. There's also very limited supply because mm-hmm. you can't get permission to build um, brick factories, and um, and also it's quite costly to import bricks. So there's a you know there's a barrier to imports just in terms of um, you know the costs of getting them across the channel. So so the house building boom, and it, there is a house building boom undoubtedly, regardless it, of the profitability of the house builders themselves. Yeah, lots of stuff is being built. And you know, with the election, it's the election results. It seems that there is going to be an even greater push to keep on building. Yeah, no, no, one would imagine. And and so yeah, so that's the second part of um, the share price performance. It, it happened after after the election result. It kind of absolutely rocketed the shares. So um, so yeah, so so it basically had two two spurts of quite stunning performance, and then just did nothing for the many months in between. And actually had a small profit warning during that time. But it, yeah, fifty. It made a fifty-six percent um, total return, all the same. Is that including a dividend? Presumably, there's a yeah, yeah. No, so all the, all the dividend. I mean, the, the way um, Thompson Data Stream, we use Thompson Data Stream for um, for the numbers. Refinitive, isn't it? Um, Refinitive, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and um, 
and yeah, they, they so they, they um the way they do it, they whenever when a dividend's paid, they account for that, and then they assume it's reinvested back into the shares, and um and they and they produce performance numbers like that, which is generally what we would encourage everyone to do. Yes, anyway. yeah, yeah. I mean, whether whether a private investor could do it as effectively as um you know the kind of database imagines, um it could be done, I think is questionable. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the numbers are consistent, and um you know they're, they're the best way of you know judging what you need to know which is how how well the you know um the stocks have done against against the market okay four down four to go four down four to go okay we're going to so wh smith will be the next one nearly there 51 percent total return which is um fairly spectacular and um it's basically uh kind of continued the strategy that it's that it had started at the beginning of 2018 which is to um target its travel business at the u.s so um, WH Smith, most people probably know it best for its shabby shops on the high street. Yeah, they're not great. They're not great. Not the greatest shopping but, experience. Um, but they're cheaper and cheaper to run every year, which, is, uh, which means that um, essentially WH Smith's high street profits don't get hit too badly. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's always been a very tight cost control story. Yeah. Yeah. Behind behind the high street business. Yeah. And there's there's more and more leverage with rents also now, which is um which is great if you're trying to, you know, if you're managing decline. Which actually we talk about in the magazine this week because we had uh some news from Sports Direct, uh, mm-hmm. which was incredible news. It's now Fraser's group. Really quite incredible performance there. Yeah. Big turnaround. But Mike Ashley, the, the obviously the well known boss of that company, is is going after the business rate environment in a big way. And this actually could help this come help someone like W. H. Smith in its high street business even more. No, I mean, I, I think there's pressure from landlords across the board to, I mean, sorry, pressure on landlords from retailers across the board mm. just to push down. I mean, you know, or push down rents, but also pressure on the government to to, to that, really deal with the business. Yes, rate, yeah, which is yeah. a huge problem for them. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, well, yeah, we'll see how that plays out. And I, I mean, I, the thing the thing is now is up for W. H. Smith though, is that its high street business actually isn't that great. A, part of the whole and um it's pushed for so long into the travel business that's where everything's happening now big acquisitions are so are the, are the story here yeah so big acquisition of a company called in motion which does electronics and sells in um, american airports at the end of uh, 2018 but then at the end of 2019 it announced an even bigger acquisition of a company called marshall uh marshall retail group which does um uh, airport retail, which is more similar to WH Smith in some res- regards, and also um, has shops and tourist resorts. But it's the airport bit which is really interesting because they essentially seem to be loved by um, the airport landlords. And the way to get into that market and grow in that market is to have really good relationships with airport landlords so they give you more space and allow you to do more interesting things um, with that space and with formats. They're the gatekeepers to growth, really. So this business is um, uh, that they bought. They bought it for you know really quite a high um, price, almost fourteen times EBITDA. Um, but they think they can make savings, which would bring down the kind of multiple they're paying to more like eleven once the savings are factored in. But um, I think it's got a seventy-five percent increase in its um, airport floor space uh, agreed over the next. I think it's three years. Um, so that's you know. A great deal of growth to come and also because of the relationships it has and the reputation wh smith should be able to win more space in airports so phil and i talked about 
acquisitions and how you, you can identify a good acquisition from a bad acquisition yes. on our podcast last week and in his article. And this one looks like it ticks in boxes, mainly well, because of the growth on offer. Yes, I mean, because I mean, there are boxes which it kind of gets an X in. It doesn't make WH Smith too, um, too indebted because they're issuing equity alongside um, paying for it, which is good. But it is very big. And also they're buying off private equity. Ooh. Um, yeah. yeah, Phil doesn't like that. Well, yeah, no, I mean, in private equity, exactly, you know, they, they, they've paid a high price and, that, and that's what you have to do if you're buying off a private equity owner. And so you have to have a really, you know, good idea of the business. Apparently they've been talking to the business for several years, trying to get their hands on it. So they should know the business pretty well. But, um, and you, you have to, you know, understand how it fits with your business. You have to make those cost savings so and, the, you have to, and you have to achieve that growth. So the strategic future. rationale is very strong. And they have a very good idea of how they can make it work. Yeah, they have to the execute that. Yeah, yeah. All right. What else so, we got? where are we now? Uh, EasyJet. This was, this was a ghastly ride, but um, a, a great destination, <laughs> I, think, you, I think we could say. That's a bit like a low-cost airline. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. For, so 45% total return from EasyJet. Wow, because this, really this was in a hole. It was in, yeah, absolutely. In it's just, I mean, it's like, you know... Game of two halves or whatever. Mid-year, it was, um, it, it was, yeah, the, the, the shares had tanked. I think they're down at eight, um, eight, uh, um, eight pounds forty. And it's just come soaring back. And, um, basically what, what's happened is that, uh, a lot of capacity is being taken out of the industry. It's kind of, it's, you know, it's bought some of Thomas Cook's assets. It's, um, you know, performance is starting to look like it's getting better. That's so just, so it's, um, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's, it's, all airlines are kind of a hostage to fortune of the industry as a whole. But Thomas Cook has really helped a lot of the industry that survived. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I mean, it's, it's I think any any um, other carry who gets into trouble, that's good news for everyone else. And also, what, what's happened as well is that um, all of the companies have reduced their growth plans. So um, what, that's what really worried people at the start of the year that um, the demand seemed to be dipping down, and you had all the companies being very bullish in terms of the um, targeted capacity increases. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it just didn't look like the two married up very well. We, we know a lot of airlines of uh, airlines and, and travel operators like TUI this week, for example, have, have had some real trouble because of the Boeing. Yeah, um, yeah. Seven, seven three, three, seven. seven max problems. Yeah. Uh, EasyJet's got away with this. Yeah, well, it does, it's not it doesn't Boeing. Use yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that must have helped. So, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, it's it's dodged all, all of the kind of, um, uh, you know, the the, the the things which have happened to other airlines. So, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about the industrial action at Rana and um, IAG and also the problems with delivery of um, the MAX 737, which has really hit Rana. Um, so, you know, it's... Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's been sitting pretty and then it's been there to, you know, it's, it's done well before by buying up assets of failed airlines and it's done that with Thomas Cook. It's, it's and still, it's rolling out its holiday p- business. It's kind of giving a big push to its holiday business. Which is something Phyllis talks about again on this podcast. Yeah. He, he very much sees the sort of package holiday uh, side of EasyJet as, as the big avenue for growth there. It's why he, yeah. he worries about some of the sort of pure play tour operators as well. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's got a, it's got a very good holiday business by all accounts. So, um, yeah, so now they're, now they're putting their foot down on the accelerator with it. I mean, and you look at, you look at a company like Dark Group, which does, which has Jet too, and how, how that's grown. I mean, it's clearly, you know, it's a, it's a market where, you know, you, you can, you know, you can do well if you, if you have the right formula. 
Yeah, he's got the planes. He's got, got the planes. The <laughs> All right, two more. Two more, two more. Uh, so uh, Hollywood Bowl is wow. the next one. Yeah, Phil and I spoke about this last week. So, you know, I, I think the number... Se- secret bowler, turns out. Oh, really? Uh, well, yeah. My family love bowling. Yeah, my, my family love bowling and I refuse to go because I hate bowling. <laughs> <laughs> but now they've got mini you golf. Can, you could go to that mini golf, I yeah. love mini golf. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, Hollywood Bowl, basically, most of its performance from, is from the end of the... Actually, also, it, it could be doing better now. But wait, because I've, I've put these numbers together up to the 16th of December. But when I looked at um, Hollywood Bowl on the 17th, they'd put on another 5%. Well, they had, they had some numbers this week. They had numbers. They were on pretty the, nice. On the day of the election result, when the market was flying anyway, they had numbers which were flying and mm. the shares mm. flew and c- continued to fly. I mean, I guess it's, um, it seems like a, a business that is in, a, in the right sort of spot and it's being very well managed. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, with with leisure companies, the problem always is, when does the market reach saturation? Because, I mean, that you know, there's only so many bowling centres that um, any any one part of the country can take. For me, take. zero. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a core demographic to serve, but beyond that. So, um, so yeah, so there's, there's that question. And, almost, I mean, with so many, you know, leisure companies, which... Um, find a really you know good strong trend you know they they finally run up against maturity and they're opening like less profitable centers and yeah start to get we've well, we trouble, had some but, big news this week uh just as a, on a bit of a tangent from cineworld which is obviously another sort of oh yeah rate. i mean this is this this is a this is this problem you know in in microcosm uh, it it was going great guns as a uk business hit 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 the wall as it were and it's just had to take these huge bets to well, yeah. expand. No, no, I mean it's um, uh, I mean they they came out with a profit warning. Where, was it last week? And then they announced an, another massive acquisition in North America. I mean, it's a bit terrifying when I look at it. It's a bit terrifying. I yeah, I certainly feel that way. <laughs> I mean, we've got it on the sell in the magazine. We can't so we're um, and you know the shares have fallen. Um, they're fair whack since we put on the sell, which was to do with the fir- the first American acquisition. I mean, they made three really big acquisitions. But um, the, the I mean the the shorts on um on Sunny World have now got up to thirteen. Well, this is the, the disclosed shorts have got up to thirteen percent, um, which um which has come you know people shorting it since the new deal was announced. Yeah, not- and, 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 and the and the betters that there's just far far too much debt and a bit of a um uncertain trading outlook. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, not a lot of confidence there, but Hollywood Bowl, lots of confidence. Hollywood, yeah, Hollywood Bowl is just it's doing great. So I mean, yeah, this, sorry, yeah, so I, I've, I've kind of framed it rather negatively, but um, uh, just in terms of you know leisure concepts which run out of um, uh, steam, but there, there seems to be plenty of steam still um, in terms of Hollywood Bowl and, and um, Ten Entertainment, which is a, another listed um, uh, bowling company, which we, have, all, we also have them on a buy. Which we also have on a buy is also doing very well. They make they're making yeah lots of little operational improvements, and um, they're yeah finding ways to cut costs, finding ways to sell you know better you know additional products to people. Yeah, so even I, better ways to bring people into centres. So one of the key uh, aspects of the results this week was that it's increasing uh, the amount of money that that each customer spends yeah yeah so, so we, get people through the doors and make them spend more yeah 
get them to buy, you know, another drink, another plate of nachos. I mean, I don't. Well, that that, that aspect of it, I love. Uh, so, so yeah, open those mini golf centres. I'll be there and spending lots of money. And the arcade machines. I don't like those so much. <laughs> But and, and then and then they're doing mini golf as well, which is um, yeah, that seems I love. To be a, it seems to be a strong trend at the moment. We've just had one open down the road here. Yeah, yeah, Putt Shack. And, yeah, and no, I went to Putt Shack with some of the dads from school. Yeah, good. Last week, weekend, yeah, fun. Uh, it, yeah, no, we did. Excellent office <laughs> we outing. Here we come. <laughs> All right, one more to go. What we got? Uh, Intercontinental Hotels Group is uh, which. Uh, it did very well at the start of the year again, but not so well towards the end. Uh, just because I, I, I suppose the main thing which has overshadowed the business in the second half has been the question of, you know, is are we facing a global economic slowdown, um, especially in the US? And there's been some weakening in Revpar. But the beauty of in, uh, intercontinental hotels is that it doesn't actually own assets. It's, mm. It kind of... It lends its brand and its um, know-how, ability to um, get um, bookings in, all those kind of great things. It, 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 it sells those things to owners of hotels. So um, it's actually in no way as cyclical as a, your normal hotel business, which um, owns and operates hotels. But if the global economy is slowing down, as as people think it is then you can't just can't run away from that yeah no i mean it, it, there's there um lot, lots of it con- its contracts have re- links to um uh you know revenue coming into the hotels and then also the big thing for it is to get more people signing up with it so when returns for drop on hotels then um you know people aren't lending money to build them people don't want to build them so they're likely to have you know fewer hotels coming into their system mm. Um, but yeah, that hasn't happened yet. The you know the system growth is still very strong. So yeah. um, and um, yeah, I mean it's 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 a great business. Yeah, I mean it, this year, this week, sorry, this year, this week has obviously been our bumper Christmas issue, and you know that that big economic picture is something that's been discussed a lot. Mm-hmm. So obviously the election has has kind of changed the perspective through which we're looking at the UK, but the rest yeah. of the world still looks slightly terrifying. Yeah, I wrote a piece yeah. on Japan, slightly terrifying. Although hotels are going to be massive there because they're trying to attract millions of tourists. That's that's a big part of their economic rebirth uh, strategy. But, but I mean, generally, the trade war between the US and China seems to be a huge drag. Yeah. A huge drag on, on the global economy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Although J- Japan has the Olympics next year. That's it? what I'm saying. Yeah. They, 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 and, you know, had the Rugby World Cup this year. They've got a World Expo in 2025. I'd say tourism is massive there. Really interesting. You should read it. It's one of the best pieces I've ever read. I can't. I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Written and read. (laughs) Um, The China-US thing just is overshadowing everything. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's yeah huge amounts of nervousness. But yeah, no, as as you say, the UK suddenly looks like a um, a bright spot. It really does. It's so weird, isn't it? (laughs) Literally turn on a sixpence in the course of one day. Yeah, well, I mean, but but also interestingly, which which actually the tips of the year did as well. I mean, they were doing okay, oh, yeah. but no, they, one, they one were, day later, they were they were doing well. But I think there's you know ten percent uh, more return now than there was on the twelfth of December, which is which you know which is which is crazy. Um, but we knew that there was that latent de- demand for UK. Well, yeah, so I, we I, just did the, the political backdrop was just holding everything back. I must say, if I, I given what the polls were saying. And given how the campaigning was going, I, I was quite surprised just how much hadn't been priced in. 
prior to the election? Because I mean, we, we'd see, we'd seen quite a run up in um, domestically focused um, stocks, but yeah, nothing like what we got afterwards. And I mean, also, what um, I was updating um, the stock screens for the uh, stock screen review of the year oh, yeah. before the election happened. And um, the the absolute star perform was the best of British stock screen, where, I'd, um, where I kind of concentrate on a kind of top five portfolio, which um, which is a kind of quality tilt. And um, they they delivered a 55% total return over in the year. Month. Over the year. Blimey. And this is coming off, they, they'd had a, um, they'd basically, the, the strong run probably started um, even before that, but they'd had a really, you know, soggy patch ever since um, 2016, the referendum vote. But the, you know, the market, although it hasn't been talked about much, clear, you know, um, clearly there was, it was gearing up. I mean, and the valley was there, I suppose, so un- underpinning it all. But it was, you know, it seemed, it seems to, as, as far as that screen's take on it goes. What was, what was in that? What was in that? Five share portfolio was in the five share. Now you're really testing me, John. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> that's the trouble with stock screens, isn't it? You yeah, so many of many, them. Too many stocks. Actually, thinking about the companies. <laughs> well, you, but what you can do, you can you can think about the characteristics and mm. you know what of um you know what a stock screens um you know targeting. So I so you know I can say they were they were all kind of quality you know names you'd associate with you know quality uh, you know plays. Yeah, so anyway, it's all been it's all been really quite exciting. Been exciting year, and actually next year looks exciting too. And uh, yeah, I know what we've got in the uh, the tips of the year twenty twenty. Yep, yep. There's some good stories there. Yeah, um, hopefully they'll play out. So yeah, um, and then and then also we've got yeah we've got quite a few changes coming through in terms of the tip section itself, which hopefully our readers will like. Which we've been kind of experimenting with internally behind the scenes. Mm. And um, your crazy yeah. spreadsheets. <laughs> They're not crazy. They're absolutely extraordinary. But it all will be revealed all, yeah. in due course. Yeah. Thank you very much, Algie, and, and well done for on a, on a really good year. Uh, well, yeah, that, it's not me. But, um, That's yeah. a team effort. But, um, That's it, team well, effort. Exactly. It's, it's, it's far more the team than absolutely. I. Absolutely. You're too modest, Algie. <laughs> too modest. This week, as I've alluded to, is the Christmas double issue. It's absolutely ridiculous, the amount of stuff we've got in there this year. I think it's 50 pages of features. I can see Dom in the control room because I know he he's, has to put these all in the system and was cross with me for uh, <laughs> putting putting more in there than we did last year. It's absolutely vast. We're looking at all the sort of markets around the world and what, what we expect there. We've got lots of thematic stuff around some of the big themes, whether that be tech or ESG, veganism. Big, big, big trend. Big trend. Yeah. Ignore it at your peril. Um, lots of the, the sort of normal stuff in the mag, you know, the usual tips and, yeah. The tip section never sleeps for you, Alex. No, no, it's, yeah, still there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, tips of the week for the year. Lots more interesting news. Muddy Waters, the short sellers, have been on the attack again, which is, mm. uh, which is something that I know people are very interested in and definitely worth a look. We've got our view on that there. Um, yeah, and tips of the year 2020 comes out on the 3rd of January. Yeah. So uh, you can all look forward to that and, and your detailed write-up of what we've been discussing on this podcast. Looking forward yeah. to it. Great. Anyway, thank you all for listening throughout the year. It's, it's been a real pleasure doing this with Phil and Algie and our other guests. We won't do a podcast for a few weeks now. I can't remember what the next one back is going to be, probably sometime around the 9th of January. Dom's nodding. It is. But as I say, thank you all for listening. Have a wonderful Christmas and New Year, and uh, we will be back next year reinvigorated and lots of new ideas to share with you. Thanks a lot. Speak soon.